You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today, we're going to talk about finding the perfect thing. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what is new with you? I had a hard time focusing on one thing to talk about with you because it has been almost six weeks since we recorded. It's true. I have been traveling the country. We went Mm -hmm. east to the Atlantic for the beach trip, and then we went west all the way to the Pacific for the road trip with my mom and kids and then family vacation in Oregon. I didn't even think that through, that you were doing both oceans Mm -hmm. with your kids. And your kids had never been before you guys were in the Atlantic Ocean, right? Right. And really, everything went so well. It made me remember how much I love to travel for fun because the last real trip I took to travel for the sake of travel Mm -hmm. was before HP was born. Wow. Up until now, it has felt like so much work to be traveling with young kids. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm taking my life on the road and doing all of the things I usually do, only it's harder because no one is sleeping. (laughs) And nothing's childproofed. Yes. But on this trip, I just really remembered how much fun it is to see new things and experience Mm. new places. And our country is just so beautiful. We went to the Badlands in South Dakota and through Montana and the Black Hills of South Dakota. Oregon is amazing, which, of course, I already knew. But Mm -hmm. it reignited that passion for me in a way that makes me excited looking forward to traveling as a family. That's so cool. From this point on, it's just going to get easier. Right. Next time we travel, E won't be in diapers anymore. Amazing. Yes. She can hang without a nap now, but she'll be even better at doing that with fewer meltdowns. Yeah, yeah. That's very inspiring to me, given that I'm kind of still in the thick of it with diapers and nap schedules. But let us all take inspiration if we have younger kids than yours. Yes. And Neil didn't join us on the road trip part. Right. And I think he was sort of not that sad to be missing out on traveling thousands of miles with both (laughs) of our children in the backseat. I think that's fair. But the whole time I really did feel like, no, he was missing out. There were Mm -hmm. hard points daily, but I just felt so rejuvenated and inspired being on the trip. And I am really glad we decided to do it instead of just flying out there. That's awesome. What has been happening with you? Since we last recorded, we have finished Frugal Month. Mm. I actually thought that went well for us. We made some changes that we are continuing through our lives, which is really good as we work to get some debt paid off. But the most fun thing that has come out of Frugal Month is that I cut Andrew's hair. (laughs) Nice. I offered to learn to cut his hair several years ago, and he was skeptical at that point. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to force this issue for the sake of our marriage. (laughs) Right. So then he decided to go for it, and the impetus was frugal months. So that is really fun. And he has been getting haircuts probably not as often as he would like. So I think another thing that he was thinking is that if Abby can cut my hair and do a decent job, I can look less shaggy more of the time. Right. (laughs) I watched a YouTube video and I just did it and it came out awesome. His hair looks amazing. I'm sure someone who knows some things about hair could tell that an amateur person cut his hair and not a professional stylist. But because he had a good haircut already and I could sort of follow the shape of it. Mm -hmm. And because YouTube is this amazing repository of information for basically anything that you want to do. 
I did it. I love it. Is the reverse going to happen? Is Andrew going to cut your hair? That's a great question. With my hair, I was already cutting my own bangs. Okay. And my hair's really long, so I don't need cuts often. But I would be up for him cutting mine okay. when it is time. Yeah. I'm not sure how he feels about it, but he might do it. Or I might YouTube how to cut my own hair and do that. Yeah, do it. Neil and I cut each other's hair. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone, well, <laughs> in the past. <laughs> It's got a variety of ways with different haircuts. So mm-hmm. his is really simple. He just buzzes it. And honestly, he does it himself. And then I just check it at the end to make sure he didn't miss a spot and clean up the neck area. Mm-hmm. And then I often start cutting my own hair and then have him come in to fix it. It's a little pressure for Neil. <laughs> well, it can only get better usually <laughs> from the point that I <laughs> hand it off to him. <laughs> There's been some errors There was also one time right after E was born that he wanted me to come check his hair and the guard was off. No, no, that's not true. I took the guard off in my (laughs) sleep deprived state because you take the guard off to clean up the the back. Yes. But then I I started cutting his hair. Without the guard. (laughs) Yes. It took out a big chunk of hair in the back. A little extra breezy back there. Yeah. He was a little horrified. <laughs> but his motto is, it's just hair. And mm-hmm. ended up putting on the one guard and just doing his hair super short right. to kind of cover up the mistake. But every time I cut his hair now, he'll say, make sure you leave the guard on. Don't take the guard <laughs> off. I'm glad he reminds you. <laughs> yes. And then he also jokes every time he's helping me that he's going to forget and <laughs> oh, do the no. same thing. Well, our sort of feeling about cutting his hair, me cutting his hair, was that if it went horribly wrong, then we could just use the clippers and buzz it. Yep. Let's move on to talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what have you been reading? I just finished reading Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah is the host of The Daily Show. He replaced Jon Stewart after he retired. And I didn't know very much, if anything, about him besides the fact he was from South Africa before Mm -hmm. I read this book. The memoir was, one, hilarious. He is obviously a comedian, and Uh that came through. I found myself laughing out loud at multiple points. That's awesome. And really wish I actually would have gotten the audiobook because Mm. he reads it. And as I was reading it, I was thinking how much funnier it would be if I were listening to it instead of reading it. Yeah, with his delivery. Right. Yeah. So if people are interested in audiobooks, I think this would be a great one. I didn't actually listen to it. You know, though, I tried to find the audiobook when you told me that you were reading this, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it on any of the libraries that I have yeah. access to. So you can buy it on iTunes and probably on Audible, but it wasn't even available to suggest to the library to get it. Interesting. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. It is pretty new, right? So it may be that. I think so. I think it came out maybe last year. I'm not sure. It's recent. Well, maybe it will become available to libraries and then those of us who do the library audiobook thing will be able to get it too. It was also really informative about South African history. Mm. And he is just a year older than we are. Okay. So he was born during apartheid and then early in his childhood, apartheid was dismantled. Mm. And he had a black mother 
and a white father, mm-hmm. which was illegal at the time he was born, which is why it's called Born a Crime. Oh. And just learning so much about the history of South Africa from this really personal perspective. Because at Hendrix, I actually took a class on South African history and mm. learned more of the political history okay. and the different movements in that way. Uh-huh. But in terms of what was it actually like to be alive at that time and what his experiences were, shed a really different light on the situation. Mm-hmm. My only complaint about the book is that I wanted it to continue all the way up to the present day. Mm-hmm. And it ended in young adulthood in South Africa. Okay. That there were some references to him becoming a comedian and references to him starting to do that. Mm-hmm. But you didn't really get the backstory on how he got from where he was in the book to mm-hmm. where he is now. Maybe that's another memoir. Maybe it is. He's saving it <laughs> to do. Keeping some material back. Many, many memoirs. So that was really my only complaint is that I was looking forward to seeing like the full arc and it mm. felt like it ended partway through. But that's also a good way to end a book is wanting more. Absolutely. Would you recommend the book, Sarah? I would. It is the best memoir I have read in a really long time. Wow. I'm pretty hit or miss on memoirs. Mm. They can be so navel gazing in a way that is irritating <laughs> to me. Right. And I don't think everyone who writes a memoir has something to be offering. Maybe that sounds harsh. <laughs> has has enough to write a book about, maybe. Right. I think that the best memoirs, you know, really take you beyond that person's life and mm. you see the world differently or it changes the way you think about something as opposed to just, oh, now I know about this person's life. Mm. And his memoir definitely did that, where it was funny and interesting just reading the stories, but then in that bigger context of what was happening in South Africa, it was also insightful and that it put the history in context in a way I hadn't understood before. That sounds awesome. What have you been reading lately? I just finished The Lumetere Chronicles by Melina Marchetta, and this is a fantasy trilogy, and I think it's aimed at young adult readers. Okay. And the three books are Finnegan of the Rock, Froy of the Exiles, and Quintana of Sharon. All of them are set in this land called Skoldenor that's divided into kingdoms. And, you know, you would love this, Sarah. There's a map. Mm, Yes. But this was a suggestion on Instagram of a friend and listener, Allie. And it was awesome. I just love these books. And I think I was at a time where I really was needing some good fantasy in my life. What I love the best was probably the characters and the relationships that they had with each other, especially the family and parenting relationships. Mm. And so there are these really interesting themes and concepts that come up about family that you choose and feeling Mm. like family when you're not blood. And what does it mean to really be blood? And what impact does that have on your life? And then there's romance also. And there's politics and war within the kingdoms and between the kingdoms. And it's a pretty complex, rich world, which I love in a fantasy book. And the plot was very compelling. The only thing that I didn't love about it is that I felt like it went a little slow in the middle of the second book. I think it's hard to be the second book in a trilogy. Yeah. I mean, I made it through. It picked back up. And, you know, I, I read them all really fast. And in the last book, 
I felt so sad when I was getting toward the end at the same time as I was reading really fast to try and find out what was going to happen. And one other thing that I loved was how strong the women are in this book Mm. and how their power is received differently in the different kingdoms was really thought provoking. So it sounds like you recommend it. Yeah, I absolutely would recommend this trilogy. The one caution that I have is that it is pretty violent and there are instances throughout all three books of sexual assault, lots of people dying, and loss of children. Those things honestly would usually bother me a lot in a book. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's good that I read the books rather than listen to them because I think it's often harder to come to grips with the tougher things when you're listening and it can just sort of like zoom by you a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I was glad that I was reading the physical books, but I didn't mind that these things were happening because they felt true to the characters and true to their story and true to the world that Marchetta creates in the book. So I loved them. I'm excited to read them. I have them checked out right now from the library and Neil actually read them while we were gone. And he liked them too? He did. Neil, in general, he reads a lot, but he's fairly ambivalent toward most Mm. things that he reads. It's very rare to get a, oh, you have to read that, or that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Most books he approaches with, yeah, that was fine. (laughs) But he didn't not recommend it, and he was very engaged in them. He read, I think, the first two while the kids and I were driving out there, and then while he was in Oregon, he read the third one, and he was definitely trying to get to it regularly. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we're going to talk about the perfect thing. And we wanted to talk about this topic because partly my love of researching things and finding the perfect thing, and also our mutual love of finding the thing that serves exactly the purpose you want it to serve. It's so satisfying to me both to find the perfect thing and to feel validated once you have it and you're using it and you realize that, yes, you were right. That was the perfect thing that you needed and it is doing everything you wanted it to do. So that's basically how I think about the perfect thing. That would be my definition. Sarah, would you add anything to that? Yeah. When we picked this topic, I actually had some trouble finding perfect things because Mm -hmm. I think we do a lot of just okay things, things that work, but maybe have some issue with them. And part of that is that we really love to find things used. Mm. And Mm -hmm. to me, finding it used elevates it. So even if it's a little bit annoying or it doesn't work quite right, (laughs) the fact that we found it secondhand makes it better as opposed to I'd be very irritated if I bought something new and it wasn't what I wanted. So true. But if I got it used, it's like, well... It was used. It was only a dollar at a garage sale. Or it was on the side of the road. Right. But to add to the definition, for me, it also brings joy when I'm using it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so cliche now after the life-changing magic of tidying up, that idea of things bringing you joy. Mm -hmm. But I also find it to be true and that the things that I have that are the perfect thing, when I'm using them, I do think this is just what I need or this is working just how I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And I think that almost every time I use those things. So like for me, there's that emotion that it evokes because it's doing its job so well. Mm -hmm. And I think in my journey toward a more minimal lifestyle and my desire to accumulate fewer things, Mm -hmm. I've also been trying to come to terms with not having the perfect thing Mm. and not needing the perfect thing Mm. and to accept what I have. 
And there's a quote that I heard that says, when you love what you have, you have everything you need. Mm. And that is something that, one, I think is demonstrably false because there are lots of people who don't have what they need. But (laughs) I think it's a very uh, middle class privileged type of quote. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it speaks to certain things in my life in terms of just being happy with where we are. And we may not have the perfect thing. We definitely don't have the perfect stroller, but our stroller works Mm -hmm. and it gets us where we need to go. And would there be another stroller that was better? Absolutely. But... (laughs) I've been trying not to focus on that and to focus on it is serving its purpose, even if it's not serving it perfectly. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that can highlight when you do have a thing that works exactly how you want it to work. Yes. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. We each have three favorite things. So Sarah, do you want to start with your first one? I will. And this one is a metal funnel that we have for mason jars. So... We use this multiple times a day, and part of that is because we use mason jars to store almost all of our food. We use it Mm -hmm. to store all our dried goods, and then Neil uses mason jars to take his lunch to work. And so he uses it every day to put the leftovers in. You just put the metal funnel on top, and then you don't make a giant mess. (laughs) And this is the kind of thing that it hadn't even occurred to me that I needed it. Mm. And it was a friend in Austin who gave it to us as a gift. I think they might have had an extra one. I'm not even sure. I don't think there was an occasion. They just said, Mm -hmm. you need this in your life and then gave it to us. Maybe they saw you spilling food. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And sometimes I'll still think, oh, I don't need it. I can just pour this in. False. (laughs) I need the funnel. I make a mess every time if I don't use it. So what I love about it is its simplicity it is easy to clean, it's lightweight, it doesn't have any moving pieces, and that it improves my life every time that I use it. It's very satisfying to not have your food spill everywhere as you're trying to get it into a container with a narrower top. So is it kind of a wider mouth funnel? It is. So it's about, you know how with the quart size mason jars, there are the ones that just go straight up and then mm-hmm. there's the ones that narrow a little bit. Mm-hmm. it fits perfectly in the one that narrows a little bit. Okay. So it's not the wide, wide mm-hmm. mouth, but it doesn't come to a point the way that a lot of funnels do. It's still pretty wide. Because I was sort of imagining that like one bean would go <laughs> down the funnel at a time. But no, I understand. That makes much more sense. My first perfect thing is called Piper Y and it's deodorant. I looked for a really long time for natural deodorant that would work both on how sweaty I am as a person and I have really sensitive skin. I learned a lot about deodorant and decided I didn't want to use the kind that has the aluminum in it anymore because mm-hmm. it, apparently it's good for you to sweat and like let things come out and aluminum stops you from sweating. So I didn't want to have an antiperspirant. I just needed something that would keep me like not smelling like a stinky person, right. <laughs> especially when I was working outside the home. I worry much less about that these days. (laughs) But when I was a professional person, I really needed a DO that would work for that. And I tried a whole bunch of, quote, natural deodorants. And Mm -hmm. so many of them are made with baking soda. And I get itchy and get red bumps from using baking soda. And I mean, I tried a whole bunch. I tried the Schmitz one. And that's the one that I use now. Yeah. And you love it, right? Lots of people love that one. I like it. Yes. 
And I tried ones from that fancy like beauty place Lush that's in the mall. Okay. And I tried several that you can order. I tried a spray. And then I heard about Piper Y. You can buy it in a little jar and it's kind of a paste. And there is a little bit of baking soda in there. But the main ingredient that helps with the deodorizing is activated charcoal. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so I ordered it and I tried it. And I actually got some at the same time for my dear friend from high school. For her birthday, I got her a natural deodorant trial set so she could try all these different ones. And it's the one that we both settled on that we loved. Okay. I love that it works, number one. I love that it doesn't make me itchy, number two. Mm -hmm. That also makes it perfect. And it's easy. You just scoop a little bit out and smear it on your pits after you take a shower. The smell is kind of minty, which is nice. One of my other issues in finding the perfect deodorant has been finding one that doesn't stain my clothes. Mm. Where does Mm -hmm. this one stand on that scale? I have noticed zero clothes staining. Okay. Has that been an issue in your life before? It was when I was using the conventional deodorants. Okay. I feel like I always had yellowed pits. Yes. It was a major problem in my life. And I don't notice it as much with the Schmitz as I did with other deodorants. That's good. Because it has activated charcoal in it, it comes out like it's kind of gray. And so I thought that it would show up on a white t-shirt on black, but it rubs in to look clear. Okay. So that's not a problem. And where can you find it? I have ordered it online, but I think that if you have a GNC store, you know, the vitamin Mm -hmm. store, I think that they sell it there now. Okay. And shortly after I tried it, they went on Shark Tank, that show for Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, and got really famous from that. Okay. So it's in many more places now. It's definitely on Amazon, at least. My next perfect thing is my coffee mug. I got this mug for myself for Christmas this past year. (laughs) So I've had it for about six months. I had been wanting something like this for probably nine to six months, maybe even a full year leading up to it. I think it was a year, friend, because you came to my house right before Plum was Mm, born. I did. Mm -hmm. And you were having coffee out of one of Andrew's coffee mugs. Right. And you were like, huh, I think that I want a mug like this. Or maybe you were like, I've been thinking about getting a mug like this. Right. It had (laughs) been a long time. So my problem is I like to drink coffee very hot. Mm -hmm. And if you have it just in a regular cup, it's very hot for only about 30 seconds before it begins to cool off. And I Mm -hmm. hate lukewarm or warm coffee. So once mine cools off, I just put it in the refrigerator so that I can have cold coffee Mm because I don't mind if it's very cold, but I need it to be one or the other. You like extreme temperatures in your coffee? Yes, I do. (laughs) And the other thing is I don't really have relaxing mornings where I can just sit around (laughs) (laughs) sipping my coffee. And so I was never getting to drink hot coffee. And then the other problem is I travel by bike places. And if your coffee is not in a spill-proof mug, you cannot bring it with you on a bicycle or... I did not have a way to do that that would have been successful. So I had looked into these mugs where you can turn it upside down, the coffee stays in, Mm -hmm. and it keeps it really hot. And seen some of them and thought about buying it, but then it was, do I really need this? I do have a travel type mug, but it wasn't a secure Mm-hmm. was not it was still going to drip out. I mean, it wouldn't have just dripped. It would have been an explosion of coffee. Oh, so no. it just kind of sets on top the lid did. So I really struggle to buy things. I am an underbuyer. Mm-hmm. 
for me, I really have to convince myself that I can't make do with what I have. Mm -hmm. And so come December, I decided to splurge and buy this $15 coffee mug from Amazon. And it is a Stanley coffee mug. And I got the 16 ounce version. The only thing that's not perfect about it is I wish I actually would have gotten the 12 ounce version. And Mm. that is just something where I don't think I really understood what size my other coffee mug was. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought that was 16 and it wasn't. And because they want you to be able to put it in a cup holder, it's really tall. Mm. So I think the 12 ounce one would be a more normal height where this one is really skinny and really tall and can be kind of awkward when you're drinking it toward the end. Mm -hmm. But overall, I love it. And every morning when I have my coffee, I think about how much I love it and how it was the best $15 that I spent last year. (laughs) And I thought my love for it would fade over time, but it really doesn't because I can just throw it in the bike. And then once my kids get to their childcare situations, I can read my book and enjoy my coffee. That's hot. Is it hot? Because it has the vacuum walls. I think it's vacuum sealed. Yeah. I don't really understand all of the technology involved in it, Mm -hmm. but it works. It keeps my coffee hot. (laughs) What color is your coffee mug, Sarah? It's kind of a light greenish color, kind of an army green color, I would say. I think it's the traditional Stanley color. The Stanley look. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with that, listeners. (laughs) If you are, we'll link to it. You'll be able to see it. Yeah. You can get one of your own. Okay, my next perfect thing is the Lotus Travel Crib. And apologies to listeners who don't care about baby gear. (laughs) I'm going to talk about a baby gear item right now because it is just so awesome. So this is a travel crib that I first encountered when I was a nanny for twins back in the summer of 2014. And both girls had this travel crib and their parents had just moved down from D.C. So they were living in an Airbnb. And that's where I first went and met them and sleeping in these travel cribs. And I looked at them at the time and I was like, huh, that's pretty cool. It has some neat things that make it different than a normal travel crib or pack and play. Like the frame is all one piece. Um, Mm -hmm. So rather than taking things apart, you sort of fold it out when you put it together okay, and the legs don't line up exactly with the mesh sides. So they kind of come out at an angle. So if the baby rams their head into the corner, they're not going to hit metal. They just hit mesh, which Mm. is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I loved that I still love about this is that the side zips open and the bottom where the mattresses sits on the floor. So many pack and plays or travel cribs are elevated a little bit Mm -hmm. up off the ground. And for that reason, they have weight limits. So you can't put a baby of a certain size in there because it wouldn't be stable. But this sits on the floor, so there's no weight limit. So as long as your kid can fit by height, they can still fit by weight. It's genius. So the side zips open and the flap of the mesh comes down and the baby can crawl in and out themselves. Or if you have a baby that needs their back padded or something, you don't have to stand bent over. Right. This would have been the perfect solution for E because we did a floor bed the whole time with HP. So he just slept on a mattress on the floor and that Mm -hmm. was fine. And we started doing that with E as well. But there were a lot of transitions in our life 
Mm. like moving to Indiana when she was nine months old. Mm -hmm. And so then she started sleeping in a pack and play because we lived in an Airbnb and that was going to be the easiest place for her to be there while we were traveling. She used that. And then even once we got here, she just continued to sleep in that because at that point she really liked having the confined environment Mm -hmm. and she didn't want to go back to being on the floor bed. And she eventually did, but I think she slept in the pack and play for probably almost a year. Mm -hmm. We even got a nicer mattress to go in it because Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. regular pack and play mattress is really thin. And as you're describing, because the pack and play is elevated, the mattress was getting kind of bent and wonky with Mm -hmm. where the weight was, where if it was on the floor, there wouldn't have been that issue. Right. It's just evenly distributed. And then you can make that transition to a more floor bed style by just starting to leave it open more if they're ready for that. Right. And that seems like that would be such a good in-between step where they can go in and out on their own, but Mm -hmm. it's still their same environment as Mm -hmm. opposed to you're used to sleeping in this place and now I'm putting you to sleep in this completely different environment. Yeah. So that actually is our plan. Plum sleeps in this travel crib now as her regular bed. And that was always our plan. Because we have a small place, because I didn't want to get a crib and then have to store it. Mm -hmm. The awesome thing about this is that she crawls in and out herself. We still do zip her in. I have occasionally tried to unzip her, but Mm -hmm. she likes, like you said about E, she likes the enclosed environment. It feels safe to her, I think. Right. But our eventual plan is to transition to a bed on a one inch frame on the floor. And so I think that it will ease the transition when we're ready we can just start leaving it open more or when she's ready, more like it. She loves her bed. I love that she sleeps in it all the time because it makes it so easy when we take it on trips that it's her same bed at home. Mm-hmm. Can she unzip herself or is the zipper on the outside? The zipper is on the outside and there is a little, it's kind of like a keychain that you can hook onto it. That if you had a kid who wanted to wiggle their fingers in there and open mm-hmm. the zipper, even from the inside, that you could latch that so that they would stay in. I think if she gets to the point where she wants to open the zipper herself, that's probably the point at which we'll start just leaving the flap down. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed to me there wouldn't be as much risk of her climbing out if she could just unzip it herself. That then she's going to do it the easier way as opposed to <laughs> right trying to climb out of it. Exactly. My final perfect thing is also a child item, and it is the Yep Mini Seat, which is a front bicycle seat. So there are lots of ways that people transport kids by bike, the most common being a bicycle trailer. But we had done some research, and we decided that what we really wanted to do was find a front seat. And there are several advantages to this. One is that HP was right there. And so He was literally in between my arms. Mm -hmm. My face was very close to his head. We could talk about everything we were seeing as we were biking around. It was at the time where his language was really exploding. Mm -hmm. This seat is ideal for a one to two year old. So it was really fun to be with him and have him point at something and say what it was and talk about it in a way we couldn't have done if he was in the bike trailer. Mm -hmm. I also love that when you bike someplace, it's just like parking your regular bike, Mm. where when you have your bike and a trailer or a cargo bike, you take up so much more space Mm -hmm. and it is much more difficult to find a good parking spot. The other thing I love about this particular seat is how easy it is to switch between bikes. 
that mm. there's just a button you push and then a latch you pull backwards and then it unhooks from one seat. And if you have an adapter on multiple bikes, then you can just put it on that one. So a lot of times I would bike HP someplace, we'd be meeting Neil and then Neil would bike him home. So cool. That was really nice to not have it be an ordeal to switch it between bikes, even doing a trailer, which isn't that hard to switch it between bikes, takes much more effort than this did. Mm -hmm. And then there's a key so you can lock it to your bike too, since it is easy to remove it. Yeah. And it is a Dutch company and I think much more popular over there. Mm -hmm. The one caveat I will say is you have to have an upright style bike to make it work. Mm. The bike I had originally, my chest was hitting the seat. Mm. You need a lot of space in the cockpit and then you just have to be more upright so you're not running into your child. Mm -hmm. But if you do have a bike that works with it, I just think it is such a fun way to bike with a kid. And it was simpler in a lot of ways than other options that we could have used. Mm -hmm. I also found the weight in the front was better for me than having the weight in the back on a back seat. Mm -hmm. That I find the bike to be more unstable with the back seat then with the front. HB stopped using it when he was two and a half. I can't remember the exact weight limit now. I think it's around 30 pounds. Okay. E's done with it now and she's two and a half. So I think from starting to bike until just past age two, depending on how big your child is. Yeah. And then they do have, it's called the Yep Maxi is the back seat. That's the same brand. And cool. I like that fine, but it's not the perfect thing. And the only thing I really don't like about this one is the straps were kind of challenging to adjust. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when it was cold and he was wearing a winter coat, the straps needed to be looser to be mm -hmm. able to make it fit. But then if we were biking home and he didn't need the coat because it had warmed up, it was just kind of a pain to do that part of it. Mm -hmm. But, for example, once it was set in the summer, it was amazing. So my final perfect thing is called a Skoy scrub and it's a dishwashing tool that is kind of like a little plasticky fabricy rectangle and I love it because I really need like a good amount of scrubbing. You know, the tops of sponges after not a very long time, even if they are made of that like green stuff mm -hmm. or if you get the biodegradable sponge that has the brown one you know you get a natural loofah it starts to disintegrate and not be very scrubby after a short time mm -hmm. and this skoy scrub is like a little washcloth but the whole thing is plastic so it stays scrubby for a really long time and also sponges start to stink I think because they don't get completely dry and then start to grow mildew and stuff mm-hmm and there are ways that you can get around that, like microwaving them or washing them in the dishwasher. But once I had done that a few times, I would start to feel like, oh, I'm cleaning dishes with this. Is this, you know, kind of gross? And they start to feel slimy. They do. So I ordered these, a little packet of these scrubbers on a whim. And we got one packet in 2015. And just this month, I ordered another packet. Yeah. I saw these when I went to visit you in January. Apparently, mm -hmm. that was a very productive trip for me in terms of finding amazing things, because this is the <laughs> yeah. same trip where I became intrigued by the coffee mug. Yeah. And I ordered these because I had also had issues trying to find the right kitchen tool that can last a long time and is effective at its job. Mm -hmm. So I ordered mine in January 2016, 
Mm-hmm. And I think in December I ordered a new batch, but mm-hmm. that was just one scrub because I used the other one in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so one kitchen one lasted me for a year and then we ended up replacing it. And they are good for right, like cleaning the bathroom and stuff mm-hmm. too. And I use it also for cleaning. We have a glass top stove that's mm-hmm. very hard to clean. You know, when pasta water boils over, it makes like a brown crust. And I use it for cleaning that. And did you already say it can go in the dishwasher? Oh, I didn't say that. That you can just put it in the top rack, hook the little tag on it, and then clean it that way. Yeah, it's awesome. We could not have an episode about the perfect thing without discussing our mutual love for the Instant Pot, (laughs) which is a shared perfect thing. Yeah. So Sarah, why is it perfect for you? I just love how I can cook something and walk away that I wasn't able to do before. And I spent a long time thinking before making this purchase because it takes up a lot of counter real estate Mm -hmm. and I am hesitant to bring new appliances into my life. It hasn't helped me cook new things necessarily, Mm -hmm. but instead of cooking rice on the stove, waiting for it to boil, turning it down to a simmer, needing to be paying attention so it doesn't boil over, all while it's the most challenging parenting time mm-hmm. as I'm trying to do all of that. Now I can just put it in the Instant Pot and walk away and go outside where my kids are and watch them play or put in a soup and we walk to the park. So it simplified dinner time and made it much less stressful to not mm-hmm. need to be watching pots on the stove. Absolutely. The other thing I love is that it's stainless steel instead of having a weird coating the way that a lot of rice cookers or slow cookers have. Mm -hmm. I like that my food isn't being cooked in something with a coating. And I also like that it seems like it's really durable, that it's Mm going to last for a long time. And the stainless steel makes it so much easier to clean. Mm -hmm. And you can put it in the dishwasher, the inside part. Oh, I have never done that. I also feel like the Instant Pot is the perfect thing because it allowed me to get rid of other things that I had. We had a rice cooker that was not a very good rice cooker, to be fair, but we got rid of that. Mm -hmm. We also had two crock pots, and now I just kept one of them. So I feel like even though it is another appliance, it allowed me to reduce some things I already had because it's so multifunctional. The other thing that I love about the Instant Pot, which I've talked about it before, is how much money it saved us on yogurt. Mm. So we were buying so much Greek yogurt because that's one thing that Andrew has in his lunch every day. And now we just buy one gallon of milk. And so that's a significant cost savings for us. Have you found a perfect thing to strain your yogurt? I use giant coffee filters that I bought in bulk from Amazon. Okay. How do you set that up? I have a big strainer that's like what we use for spaghetti. Okay. And it's one of the ones that can sit on its own. Yes. I have one of those. I sit it in a big cookie sheet. I put two coffee filters in. Then I dump the yogurt in. So we have used flour sack towels for a while where I just Mm -hmm. pour it in and then tie it up. That gets kind of challenging to remove it. Mm. We use our perfect funnel to have it go into mason jars, Mm -hmm. but it's still a challenge. We need an even bigger funnel to make that effective. Right. And then I bought some nut milk bags that I read some reviews about and thought that that would work well. And it does work well for straining it, but it's still just such a messy process to get it out of that Mm -hmm. and into whatever container we need it to be in. I don't know if it would solve your container problem, Mm -hmm. but the yogurt doesn't stick to them at all. Oh, yeah. And we store it in a big round bowl with a lid. Yeah. 
So it's really easy to just dump it off. And then I just compost the coffee filters. Right. In terms of thinking about getting it into a funnel, it still might be problematic. And we could change the container that we keep our yogurt in. But whenever I'm doing it, I think there's probably a better way to do this. I hear you. So let's move on now to what we've been eating. I mentioned these chicken enchiladas when I talked about Plummet's birthday, but I don't think that I have talked about them since then. And I have made them a lot since her birthday in February because they came out so well. And my Texan heart gets really sad about the lack of good enchiladas here in North Carolina. These are the sour cream chicken enchiladas from Pioneer Woman Cooks. And I do it very similarly to how she does. On the inside is chicken. And then I add onions, which I saute, a can of cut up green chilies, and a little bit of the chicken broth from cooking the chicken in the Instant Pot. Okay. And I kind of stir that around. Then to make the sauce, you make a roux, and then you add chicken broth. And then Pioneer Woman does not say to add as much sour cream as I add. I add 16 ounces of sour cream. And then I also add at least two cups of pepper jack cheese. So it's basically like Hmm. sour cream pepper jack sauce that goes over the top. Very creamy. So creamy. And the tang of the sour cream is a crucial part. The other thing that I started doing after seeing this recipe was I started frying the corn tortillas in vegetable oil before I roll Mm, them. Okay. And I never did this before and I felt like it was a hassle. Yeah. But you folks that miss your enchiladas, this is a crucial step to making them roll so they don't break. Break open. As you're rolling. And the flavor of like a slightly fried tortilla and like the texture is amazing. So you fried both sides. Yep. And then added, rolled, and set it in your pan. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also put more pepper jack cheese inside with the chicken when I roll them. Okay. The other thing that I found that I messed up the last time I did it, but did right sort of by accident the first few times, is that if you pour the sauce over and then put them in the fridge and let them sit for a while and let the Mm. sauce soak in and then bake them a little bit later, I like the texture better. It sounds really good. I get hung up on enchiladas because it feels like a lot to be doing at dinner time. Mm-hmm. So it does make more sense to do it on the weekend, maybe. And as mm-hmm. if you're saying that it tastes good to let it sit, then I could pull that out a day later and cook it then. Yeah. The time to get ready is a really good reason to let them sit. But I also prefer the taste. And I agree mm-hmm. with you that it is a little bit of a fancier meal. So I'll prep them before I go teach yoga on a Sunday and then Andrew will bake them and then we'll eat them together when I get home or something like that. Nice. What have you been eating, Sarah? I have been eating lentil loaf, which <laughs> you have mentioned before is not your favorite recipe not favorite. of mine, but we like it so much that I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> and it's not just that I like it, because I do, but HP really loves it. Mm-hmm. And he loves to eat it even before it's baked. He likes to help make it and eat the lentil loaf. I don't know. What would you call that? Dough, batter, <laughs> the raw lentil loaf. <laughs> but is there anything in there that's raw? No. Well, we lately have been using eggs. Oh, instead of flax. Instead of flax, but that's just because we run out of flax because it's actually a vegan gluten-free recipe Mm -hmm. and it has lots of really good stuff in it. So it's lentils, oats, vegetables, and we follow a recipe from Ambitious Kitchen, but 
also we substitute whatever vegetables we have. Mm-hmm. So I can't even remember exactly which ones she recommends. We always do onion, carrot, garlic. Right now we've been doing summer squash because it's mm. in season. Mm-hmm. And we often do pepper, either green or red. Mm-hmm. So it's a large amount of vegetables and lentils. I just feel like it's a really healthy meal. And then my five-year-old loves it. So that's just a win all around. Mm-hmm. So there have been a few meals recently where HP has been very upset because he hasn't liked what I made. Mm. And sometimes if I make a soup, that's it. There's just the one choice. You either eat the soup or you don't, but there's not a side to go with it. Right. There was an incident a couple weeks ago where he really didn't want to eat the soup. And we have a really firm, this is what I cooked. This is what you can eat. If you don't like it, just don't eat it. Mm -hmm. And not making a scene about it, but just I'm not making you anything else. Right. And the next day he told me he wanted input that he wanted Mm. me to tell him what we were having and to make something that he would like. And I thought that's fair. Like we can do some input, not that he will be directing every meal that we have, but Mm -hmm. I am happy to let him know, especially before dinner time, this is what we're having. And maybe if there's a side that he wants to include or something else, Mm -hmm. being open to being a little flexible on that. But I was asking him, hey, I'm getting ready to make dinner. What do you think we should have? And he wanted lentil loaf. Mm -hmm. And then we came up with the idea of putting it in muffin form instead Mm. of just as the loaf form. One thing that is kind of weird about this recipe is it can be still kind of mushy in the middle, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even when you cook it. And that doing it in the muffin form made it so it was a little bit crispier all around. And Mm. that I think it made it much tastier. We also have some tiny muffin pans that my mother-in-law gave us, Mm -hmm. and he ate an entire tiny lentil loaf plus two muffins of it that he just really loves it. And he wanted to bring it for snack at camp the next day. So I sent him to camp with little lentil loaves. Oh, nice. So I think it's hit or miss. I know some other people who have tried it and have not loved this recipe, but Mm -hmm. I really do and my family does. Part of my problem when I tried it was that it stayed mushy. Mm -hmm. So I'm intrigued by the muffin idea. And it seems that it would make it really easy to freeze, Mm. that making a lot of them and then having some in the freezer as a last minute meal. Nice. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. We would love to hear from you about the perfect things in your life. You can tell us about your perfect things online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to everyone who has left us ratings and reviews on iTunes. We really love reading them. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. So this one goes in between your handlebars. It's in the, yeah, uh, what is the word? It attaches to the fork, whatever. I won't say that. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just got it. <laughs> Do you know that I just I'm sorry. I just talked about that travel crib for 13 minutes. <laughs> I did know it was getting kind of long. <laughs> oh my god. The most common being a bicycle trailer that you attach to your bicycle. Duh. <laughs> I mean, slash countries they're sort of it's not I mean they're divided by um 
what do they call those? Borders. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call those? Let's t- now. Okay, let's move on to talk about what we. Yes, let's. <laughs> thanks. Like I thought of it. I shouldn't have said thanks. <laughs> you can just cut it. It's no problem. <laughs> oh my God. I do love my chocos, but we can move on. Cool. You're like, you may not want to hear about baby things, but, but here comes a tenth ready. of the pod or a fifth of the podcast. I love enchiladas. Enchiladas all the time. Every oh episode. I know. I feel but. like people will be interested. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, on Friendlier Podcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to I, everyone. Abby, can who, I say something? Yeah. Sorry. I think you just said on Instagram, on Friendlier Podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying like when you hear it in the edits, you might not love it. <laughs> That's a good call.